0: Listening to the world's loudest podcast. The world's loudest podcast by Revolver Magazine. And now, your hosts, Zena Coda and Chris Enriquez.
1: The world's loudest podcast. You are listening to it, powered up by Revolver Magazine. I am your host, Zena, and the fall always means some good metal action. That means that you're going to see some releases towards the end of the year, which. Is always a sure bet that a few surprises are going to be pulled out of the hat. Mm, what do you think's coming? We know Metallica's got a doubleheader coming up, but mm, there could be a few other bands coming out with some good stuff. You know that you're going to hear it on this podcast. You can check out revolvermag.com to get all the latest and greatest news. Some special insights, interviews, you know, all that typical web content. You can also check us out on social media across all platforms at RevolverMag across the board. Well, we were going to spice it up with this one. Got some really, really good interviews, kind of throwback interviews, as well as some new tracks from Razor & Tie Records. Shout out to Razor & Tie Records. They have some of the greatest bands out there, including The Sword and The Pretty Reckless, which we got both new tracks up for you in just a few minutes. But we're starting this one off with a very exciting conversation that I had with Ben from the Dillinger Escape Plan. We talk about their imminent end, which will probably be a year or so from now, and a very livened career that mixed up punk rock, that mixed up metal, and Jersey. (laughs) Jersey's finest. You got to check it out. Some of the newest from them to start this one off got the sword with an acoustic track that they're going to be dropping on a new record that's acoustic only. (laughs) What a surprise there off of Razor and Tie Records. They actually have some really cool bundles too that you can pick up where you can get a little bit of everything and it will be one low. Price. DW Drums is always our lovely percussive sponsor, as well as Zoom Mics, the very apparatus which I'm speaking on. I'm going to shut the hell up and let you rock out right now. to the world's loudest podcast, because uh, I'm here with Ben Weinman hanging out at the park like a creep. Actually, at their lovely show that's actually sold out. Um, we have a child stalking us, so we're gonna have to do yes, this quick. We're gonna have to
0: talk <laughs> to her parents because it's uh, a him. It's a him. Yeah, you know, it is. Close enough. In this day and age, you never know what they're <laughs> gonna end be up <laughs> being.
1: You never know. That's yeah. very. That's very true. And Could be a Caitlin. You, yeah,
0: you can't. You can't. T- you can't decide yet. You used to be able to decide like what the ultrasound. Then you would decide, but now you got to go it a few years.
1: Yeah, you have you to know. let it develop. You know, let that I mean, brew up.
0: You know, you just have to wait till they're in their like 80s, and then they're just like, we're gonna be an old tranny. Equality for I, all. I, I forget about it. I, I want to be myself now. Then it was like, you know, now they, you know, 18, 17. Just go for it. They can decide then if see, they want. It's okay. <laughs>
1: see what happens. You can decide
0: what, whenever you want.
1: You gotta love how liberal yeah. the world has become. I'm right? trans
0: species, actually. <laughs> I'm a puppy. Well, know, with is, your
1: eye right yeah, now, I think you could be.
0: Spot, yeah. So,
1: so you're going to tell me what happened to your eye really quickly because I feel like you are the master of injury. Like I'm every time master. I see you, I'm
0: really good at getting injured. You are
1: great at getting hurt and at repairing yourself and then getting hurt again.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe I'm just, I, you know, my pain threshold is very high right now.
1: I, I figure either that and or you're on some really good drugs. The thing sucks
0: drivers. is that like, you know, yeah, nothing really. It's, I, could, I could take a whole bottle of like and I don't even feel it. <laughs> I just piss it out. I could chew. I could, you know, I'm just. Like, but I think what it is is when you tour as long as I have, and you're all over the world, and you're covered in cuts and stuff like that, and you're just like shaking hands with people in like weird countries, Czechoslovakia, diseases. And, you know, the, all these weird places. I mean, I could pretty much eat AIDS and sh- and poop it out. I, just, like, <laughs> I, 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 I am like Wolverine. You know what I mean? Like I've been, th- I've been th-
1: You'll be exposed to
0: so it. much things all over the world like you know
1: what's the what's worst injury you've got I know you had your arm a little while ago which is obviously the big thing yeah. because it's your instrument but that's the thing
0: nowadays like if I have like a like stitches or something like that it's like it's temporary you know I don't care you know like it's not
1: as long as it's uh, not the bone right
0: right so I mean but there's a I mean, my I neck is the worst I have a really bad neck I broke a bone in my neck like years ago
1: See, I could see this as positive spin because you could just hire really hot, like, physical therapists as you get older.
0: That'd be nice. <laughs> and,
1: fi- and figure out a way to keep yourself massaged. Yeah, I,
0: don't know. I would like that. No, I, yeah. The Move neck to is, Thailand. But I'm going to get, I, I'm trying, I've been, like, avoiding surgery on my neck for years and oh years and years and years and years. And I keep going and checking it and they're like, well, <laughs> it's not good, you know, but, like. See how far you can go, and when you're ready, we're here for you. We, we love doing surgery. <laughs> the sad <laughs> you know? side of rock and roll here. Yeah, I'll probably film it or something, make something cool out of it, put it to death metal. <laughs> they're like ripping my vertebrae out and jamming steel in there. And like.
1: That's a pretty metal image in yeah. a pretty non-metal place. that we have. <laughs> um, Well, speaking of which, um, you're probably going to have to be repairing some because you're going to have a pretty big year because you guys have announced that yeah. you're going to be calling it quits. Um, nice. Can you bring us through why you decided to do this? And at this time, especially when you guys are, like, popping. Yeah,
0: yeah, popping. Um, popping, popping, popping. Well, you know what? It's like, why would you want to – it's better, like, when you eat a whole thing – a whole. I'm gonna say this, this make no sense right now. Let me see where I can bring make on this the go. analogy. If you have a whole pot of popcorn that you made and you just ate the whole thing and you got to the bottom and you're so full and you're gonna throw up and you're just eating these burnt petals on the bottom, <laughs> you'd be like, man, I really wish I quit like halfway through that pot when they were all delicious and fluffy and still popping, still warm. And what a great
1: analogy. Ass.
0: So we still popping. We want to keep popping. <laughs> we don't want to be all burned out cur- kernel. I don't want to be the kernel. You
1: do Yeah. I you want to be the
0: kernel of Mathcore.
1: You don't want to flame out, flame no. out. Okay, there all right, got, all right. But, um, was there yeah. any, like, specific catalyst to your decision, or was it just kind of yeah. like, all right?
0: Yeah, I was actually right around when we first started working on songs, like Billy and I started, For the new album. For the new album. We were kind of working on some stuff, um, and we played in Mexico City. We took a break to, like, play a show in Mexico City, and then I just went to, the, like, some beach, random a beach somewhere after that and just, like, kind of, like, two days I hadn't gone anywhere that wasn't playing in years and years and years and years so I'm like I'm already there let me just like go someplace and try not to get killed by a cartel and like (laughs) retreat yeah and so and I was just thinking I'm like man what am I gonna do is this just the same shit over and over and over again like it's kind of like not that exciting like isn't that weird
1: that you have like a a job that many people have lauded over such a long time like
0: I love making the music and I love playing shows at the same time but like it's the same thing like (laughs) make an album put it out there go on tour for a couple years stop start writing do a little random one-offs while you're writing over a period of like three years drop another one do it again again it's just the same thing over and over again and um, it just hit me I was like I gotta stop it's got to stop. This it's, is like, it's It's horrifying. It's horrifying because I've only done this since for my whole adult life I've been doing this. Like everybody I know almost everybody except my family knows me as Ben Dillinger. Like that's it. Like that's all they know. That's all You're I more am. Ben. That's all I am. I'm the guy from Dillinger, you know? So it's a horrifying thing to remove myself from
1: It's kind of liberating identity. though, don't you think? It like is, there's a lot of things like, you can do.
0: You know, I could, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of things you can do, but it's definitely way more. It, I, I didn't want it to get to a situation. There's so many bands breaking up right now, almost like because they're fizzling out. And I'm not mentioning any names, whatever. Everyone has their own own process and their own reasons. But it seems to be a thing where like a lot of bands are breaking up, and then like five years later, just coming back. You know, and when they break up, it's not typically in a healthy position. Yeah, (laughs) because everybody's reached the brink. Doing as well as they used to, a record didn't get as good reviews. They're fighting. You know, somebody, whatever it is, which is every band. That's nothing new. That's nothing, you know. Because it's a marriage in a lot off. of
1: ways, yeah. You know, that
0: happens with everybody. And, um, like, I remember the last Refuse shows. Like, I was at one of them. There was 70 people there, you know, and they were playing third. They weren't even headlining, you know what I mean?
1: That makes you sad, doesn't and it?
0: And now, you know, and they, and they broke it off, you know. They were not getting along. And they were, like, driving around in a dirty van and trying to, trying to play the world. You know, as an international band and it was really hard and they broke it off and then years later, you know, they come back and Stronger they're Stronger than ever, it. yeah. Stronger than ever. Um, so, like, the reason why we say we're just going, you know, we're not, you never know if we'll come back, whatever, be, is because you never know. Like, Guns N' Roses came back, you know what I mean? But <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, this is it. As far as I'm concerned, as far as, I don't have any plans to be playing in this band. At all, ever again.
1: Well, sure, it's physically grueling. At
0: some point, we might. I can't say. Who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Like, totally. it'd be stupid to say it'll never happen because every band says that and it's bullshit, you know?
1: So, when you've walked away and all is said and done, what's yeah. the one thing that you want to walk away most proud of?
0: Um, Man, you know, well, for one thing, I think it's amazing to have the opportunity to do a whole tar cycle and put out a record knowing what it means like it has so much more meaning. For
1: sure. You know, so
0: um, I'm proud of like seeing how many people are supportive of both the band and the decision and being like, we're sad, but we get it. It's so awesome that you're going out like this. And like. You
1: um, have a soundtrack now. And uh,
0: you know, it's just been all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fans. Oh. No. uh. What am I going It's something I have to think about over the next year. Ah. Honestly, that's so you'll come back to me about. with the answer. Yeah, because often I never stop and think about that stuff. You know, and occasionally something will happen, or I'll be sitting with a friend that's like somebody I used to be a massive fan of, and it'll click. Like, <laughs> it's this kinda is of cool. What I cool. Do right now. I'm yeah. proud to be considered a peer by this person. I'm proud that we've gotten past the the, the bullshit, fandom, yeah. and we're just talking personally right now. Like, that makes I'm proud of that because it means that someone that I really respect and maybe have grown up listening to, or that has been an influence to me, um, like I said, considers me a peer. So that means to some level I've done something okay to somebody that, you know what I mean? Like
1: you have such a, such a strong heart for it.
0: You know, that's, that's really heartwarming when you stop and think about that. So, um, but
1: I would say, in my opinion, you guys have been, and you specifically have been like relentlessly independent. in the way that you've marketed yourselves throughout your career and a lot of those bands kind of had to rely on other devices if Mm. that makes sense but i think it's really interesting how you guys have like reinvigorated yourself year after year after year and like created this weird indie niche for the music that you do in a place that really didn't have much of a subset of that before
0: yeah i think that's it that's what i'm proud of
1: (laughs) i've 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 summarized (laughs) there you go
0: no the fact that there was no subset like when i started you know, and these guys have your been in the band a very long yet. time. They've been in the band for a very long time. I don't mean to ever say when I say when I started the band back in the day, when they weren't there and all this stuff, they weren't there. But they this band would not exist without them, you know what I mean? But I was the one who was there when the genre did not exist. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can speak to that, um, and that's what I'm proud of most, like being a part of something that had no, like, Category. There was no place to fit in. Like it was very difficult. There was is nothing. Is it hardcore? Easy about it. Is it metal? Yeah. There was is nothing it... easy about it. It was never easy. It was never easy to swallow for anybody. It was never easy for us. There was never, nothing came easy for us ever, ever. Well, that's and what to makes last this long. It's pretty cool.
1: That's what makes it pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things I think is really interesting is like how your live shows have kind of progressed over the years. I mean, always been intense, always been ridiculous as per your black eye right now, your broken (laughs) arm and all your miscellaneous limbs that have went through the rigorous (laughs) uh, process there. But like, what's one specific show that you could cite as one of the craziest shows? I can name one show that I saw of yours in Jersey, in New Jersey at the Rex Flex, I think in 2001, I want to say, like I was a kid, I was young. Old singer shit on stage, I believe. Or something. <laughs> so, like, it was, it was, I can't even remember because it was so long ago, but it
0: was a crazy,
1: crazy yeah, show. those things.
0: All those things. I, but the crazy. <laughs> all of the things. Show. It's crazy. They're all crazy, man. <laughs> They're all crazy. Like, seriously. I mean, I've personally had scenarios that were crazy where I've, like, can't believe I'm alive, you know? Like, where I've fallen off something so high that I shouldn't be alive and some magic just, like, like a lighting rig chain just happened to be somewhere and my hand landed on it and I like swung, like, you know, like how that, like I'd be dead right now. Shades of death, You know death. What I mean? Yeah. Like if I didn't just go like this and like there was a f- rope and i like, I'd be dead. You know, like crazy stuff like that. So I have those in my head, those crazy scenarios. Well,
1: right? what's crazy but, to you is probably different than what's crazy to the audience But that too. doesn't
0: necessarily really exactly equate to like a, a, an overall general crazy show. I remember one long time ago, this is when Dimitri was in the band. We were playing in Connecticut. I think Toads. Oh, okay. And like, there was this band Cable, and it was the guys, some of the guys from Isis' earlier band. And one of the guys was at our show, and I've talked about this before, but it still blows my mind. Like, one of the guys was at the show, and he was just drunk in front of me, and he was just pouring beer on my pedals. And like- Disrespect off the Yeah, back. and just fuck, you suck, in between songs, and blah, 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 blah. I was ignoring it and well, I was ignoring it, but then when he started pouring the beer on my pedals and stuff like that. It's fucking were your shit. Yeah, I was like, fuck this guy and I just fucking you know, I think the statute of limitations I can talk about now. <laughs> I just smacked him across the face with my guitar so hard. Just like Woom Just checked him. And and he um grabbed my guitar and was like trying to pull me in the crowd and fight me and all this stuff and so I just invited him on I was like, dude, come up on stage.
1: To fight him, yeah. So, let's Yo, just that's do the jerseyest that I've ever exactly. heard.
0: Like, Jersey people take care of themselves. Hell yeah, I was like security, get the fuck away. I was like, no, <laughs> no, they're trying to kill him, I'm like, don't kick him out. And I invited him on stage, and I turned my guitar around like a bat, and I just went boom, and Dude. just like smacked him. I thought I killed the guy. And then Dimitri took his microphone, and was like boom from the back, and he just grabbed his face and ran out of the club. And then we just kicked right back into the song, like, literally, it was like, like nothing 10 happened in seconds. Yeah. The whole thing happened. And then we just went right back into the the song, like in the middle of the song. Like we stopped and then continued. It was a crazy time. That's you know? fucking pro. And uh, that's I don't pretty really feel bad. That's bad pretty about pro, it, honest, yeah. I don't really feel bad about it. But um, that was crazy. I could
1: feel there's probably many crazy shows. You know, I think. I, it, I remember there
0: was a fire blowing once, and the ceiling caught on fire. And what like
1: country was this in.
0: In the U.S. Oh wow! Like it was like one of those squares. You know, like those like tiles.
1: Was it what, what was the band that went down? White Snake. Yeah, was it? it was yeah, before yeah.
0: that. Oh, wow. this is pre-White Snake. And it like I saw the fire like traveling around the square, like I was it did playing? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and uh, our singer blew on it, and it went out. It was like, and it just went. Out. I was like, what? <laughs> Thank God. Crisis averted, just, crisis averted.
1: That would have been one for the record books. Right um, just not necessarily stuff I'm proud
0: of. But crazy so
1: many stuff. crazy things, yeah. Um, I don't think the kids get that kind of experience anymore at shows. I, I feel. broke
0: my neck. That was crazy.
1: At a show? Yeah. How did
0: you? Because.
1: And you kept going?
0: Yeah, I didn't know it was broken. Like it was more like a piece of bone broke off. Ugh. So I wasn't like totally broken. Like I wasn't paralyzed. Thank God. You know what I mean? And I, my head cracked open like an egg. So, and I was, I remember I was just head, I, I got knocked out for a second and I got back up and kept playing. And like often when you're bleeding on stage, you think you're sweating. <laughs> you're just wet. You feel yeah, wet. Yeah, you so you just keep know. going. And Until then, you see
1: the red tint. <laughs> right.
0: So, and then I looked at the front row and everyone was covered in blood. It looked like carriers something like full blood. There was like staring at me, just blood, blood, blood. And my head was completely cracked open, like a, like straight up. Like I didn't hit anything sharp. It was flat. So it, like just went and then, and it was just blood everywhere. So I kept playing. Finished the set. Dangerous
1: boys and girls. Yeah, and that
0: was in the first song, of the set. So we finished the set. I went down to the backstage, and everyone's like, "Dude, that does not look good. I can like see in your head." <laughs> They're like, "Go to the hospital. Go to the hospital." <laughs> so I went to the hospital, and I got like seven staples. Which I'd never gotten, which is crazy. It's, a, it's straight up like a construction stapler, just
1: piece you back together. Yeah, yeah it's
0: not, it's fucking gnarly. <laughs> Pretty
1: primitive, yeah. Yeah, and
0: then I was like, my neck hurts, my neck hurts. And they're like, oh, it's just whiplash. And I'm like, nah, it doesn't feel right. They're like, it's fine, you're just whiplash. And then like went back on tour, finished tour, and then went back and got MRIs and stuff. And they're like, yo, you, straight up, and I got X-rayed, and they're like, see that? That's a piece of bone. Oh my god. Broken off of your neck. <laughs> It's just floating in your neck right there. And that's it, so. so
1: lesson learned: make sure to <laughs> and make sure to secure yourself at all times if you're going to be in yeah. a band and thrashing out. Don't believe the doctors. Don't Those believe are, the do- <laughs> uh,
0: Believe your instincts. You know, when you feel something.
1: Well, I'm happy you're still in one piece. Uh, that definitely, that definitely is a, a benefit to it all. How do you think it's different for kids these days? Like shows. Like I feel like, you know, I'll go to a lot of shows on the rock and like, mm. you know, heavy heavy metal side, and everybody's pretty chill. But I feel like growing up, I. Probably you and I both grew up in a very similar scene where there was yeah. a lot of, like, aggression and uh, a lot of, like, madness. Like, you go to a show and you know shit's going to go uh, down, you know? Yeah. How do you think it's different for kids now? And, like, how do you think that shaped the culture of how the music is made?
0: Well, yeah, there was definitely, for us, it was an interesting thing because coming from Jersey, there was a very...
1: Big culture of fighting. There was sure. a culture
0: of fighting and tough guy music and stuff like that, kind of gang mentality... Uh, when I was first coming up, I'm older than you, obviously. So like, you know, City Gardens was a big part of the culture, you know, and everyone hears about now because of like documentaries and books about it and stuff. But it was violent as hell, like. And um, I was little, a little guy. I'm still a little guy, you know. But I was like pretty much until about 10 years ago. I looked 12. <laughs> Stop. And now I just like I got old. 12. Stop it. Uh, 12 with the disease that makes you look old. No, but um. <laughs> Benjamin Button. Over yeah. There. So, yeah, like City Gardens would there'd be. Three hundred people literally fighting at the in the pit like skinheads. It was horrifying. And to music, you know, like "Sick of It All" player or whatever. And um, and uh, I had a friend. I was in a band, early band. It was a straight edge hardcore band called Nark, which oh, is pretty much nice. the best name <laughs> for a straight edge band ever. NARC. Like We're why nobody else you. ever thought of that name for a straight edge band. NARC. But um, That's
1: so, that's so gold. Yeah. Right?
0: But there was this guy, Little Dave, who was also in this band Resurrection. He played bass in Resurrection and he he used to, and, he, uh, and this Resurrection was the singer of this band 108.
1: Okay, it was yeah. this
0: Krishna hardcore band that was very really influential during the times I was coming up. And it's very incestuous to see, you know.
1: Sure, everybody's gonna interchange players. Yeah.
0: but Little Dave was like the first person I knew. That was into serious like martial arts stuff. Like this was before MMA. This is before any of that stuff. It's like Ramadan, only one.
1: You, yeah,
0: the only one you knew who did martial arts was like someone like took Taekwondo for like a year <laughs> when they were a kid and karate hit a board or something, and that was it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people in, and this guy was like taking gnarly stuff and like, and he would go into the pit. He would wait for a fight. And he's smaller than me. This guy. He would wait for a fight. And as soon as the fight started, and I'm talking about giant skinheads, like legit, it's horrifying. He would get in the middle of it and try to say, stop, guys, break it up, whatever. And then knowing that he would be like, fuck this little guy and try to throw a punch. And then in five seconds, they'd all be on the floor. Like, it was like, (laughs) because he would be like, that was just like a little
1: Bruce Lee. Yeah. That's
0: how he trained. He was like (laughs) training, like he trained by going in there and doing it. So he trained with teachers and then he'd go into like mosh pits and fights and just destroy the whole place. Which
1: sounds pretty horrifying yeah. to somebody if they're not like privy to that scene, but I actually fucking love that about the scene.
0: Yeah, and so I mean he's my trainer now. Like I train with him. He's got a school. He's you know and we train. And um
2: train bro do you But even like trained? I
0: knew him back then. Like 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 I wouldn't have even taken trained with him back then because he would probably kill me. Like he didn't even have any filter because it was an that's animal, yeah. how it was back then like people were just animals but do you there's think that like,
1: the music and the bands of that time too were reflective of that because yeah. i feel like it like now there's a lot of feelings <laughs>
0: yeah
1: but it, i feel like then it was a lot of aggression just filtered out through having music well you know the, the
0: thing is that i was involved in that scene but i was also going to school and I was like, my parents are, like, my dad's a dean, you yeah. know, and my mom was, like, working at Montclair State College, and, like...
1: Alumni you know, right here. Yeah. And so I
0: was, like, there you go, you know, and I would have, like, these intellectuals at my house for barbecues, and they'd discuss, you know, like, philosophy and poetry, and they'd have movie clubs with foreign films, and I'd be saying, you know, so... Like, I kind of got, like, when when things got a little more intellectual and the emo scene happened and people were writing, like, basically poetry as their... The, I kind of got it. Yeah. But I also liked the crazy aggression stuff, and then I got into serious fusion and jazz at the same time because I was, like, trying to push myself farther from the three-chord hardcore stuff. And I definitely think that it was... All of that together is what made Dillinger, you know?
1: I think that's and a all really good And really it, yeah.
0: important. Like, all of it. Like the unpredictable violence, which was like, that's what heavy music's about. Like exactly. your parents are supposed to be worried, you know. Like, is, should you be here? What's gonna happen? You
1: got to be ready for What's a fight going at on with any this time. music
0: is it negative? Is it what is it? You know. But then the amazing thing about the punk scene was that there was purpose to it. You know, there was something there was more than that. It wasn't about violence necessarily. It was about like a message and a bigger purpose and. And then, but you know, the musicality of like, to me, jazz and fusion, that was punk too because
1: it was against you know, the grain. It was yeah. against the
0: grain. It was not marketable. It was like really difficult to digest for people. So for me, all of that was so attractive. All of it. Like I loved it all. And and uh, that's what Dillinger, that's why Dillinger came from. You and, know what and I mean? It
1: led to one beautiful yeah. product.
0: Right. So I think that, yeah, it wasn't that whole like Jersey thing and New York City thing and all that. Uh, it was had, a mix of it was everything. Important. Yeah, all of that was important, including the, like, thug stuff. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it was dangerous. I'm
1: a hardcore girl. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, here's the biggest question. So, where are you individually going to go from here? Because I know you have your own projects, obviously, with GTO, oh. and, you know, Greg has his own thing going on with yeah. Black Queen. So, where do you guys see yourself going next?
0: I mean, I don't know. That's what's so cool about it. It's it's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm horrified. I have no idea how I'm going to pay my bills. Like, this is my main source of income for, like, a really long time, you know? Like, I, I make music. Um, I do music. Somehow, through music, I make
1: I money. I am music, yes.
0: I, everything I pay my bill is through music. I don't, like, you know, work at Starbucks on the side or, like, con- do contracting or, you know? Like, I everything I pay my bill with is, is music, you know? So, um, you know, my main source and my main thing that I do being eliminated is, is kind of scary, but I... I think that's, you need to close a door to open new ones. You have to.
1: That's very true. And, and
0: that's why it's not just like, oh, why don't you guys just slow down? You know, why don't you guys just, why well, say you're breaking up? Why don't you just tour a little less and do other things? Because that's pussy shit. Like, you know what I mean? That's like, that's like dipping your foot in. Like, you got to get wet, you know? You got to dive in, you know? And so I really feel like those doors will open as, you know, and they are. Things are changing, you know, all of a sudden things are happening very certain, d- just things, just after the announcement, you know?
1: Well, I think yeah, you're on a you're on a trajectory in the yeah. right path for sure. Um, I'm really excited to see you guys tonight. I love when you yeah. do like these kind of underplay shows where yeah. I can just basically feel like I'm in someone's you're living room. Easy
0: you you love this shit. You I do have.
1: love this shit. I love this in hip hop. So everybody's yeah. got a diverse taste. I around. know. Everyone should check out your socials to make sure that they keep up to date as you guys are taking it down. <laughs>
0: yes, Dissociation out in October. October. Right? Yes.
1: We're waiting for that. Draft ball.
0: Tongue orf- orchestra out. September next month.
1: He's got a lot going on, so support him.
3: (laughs) Beware those gypsy witches. They are not what they seem. One might try to put a hex on you. Sisterly mysteries or just tattoos and jewelry. How they do it is nothing new. Flying blind, stitching time, waiting for the night to come. Just living their whole lives, just making love and having fun. A wise man. Wizards in your ragged finery, never having nothing to say. What will you do? What will become of you when your magic fades away? Getting by by staying high and waiting for the light to come to save us from damnation. God sent his only son. Wild man
4: What's up? You're listening to the World's Loudest Podcast by Revolver Magazine. I'm hanging out here today with Roddy from Van Faith No More. Thank you so much for joining us today.
5: You're welcome, Chris. Thanks uh, for having me here.
4: Absolutely. Um, so basically we're here to talk about We Care A Lot. Um, That album was re-released recently came out 30 years ago Which is really fucking wild I don't know how you feel, but we'll get that It makes me feel really fucking old Um, I have to ask you um, So this was your debut record Obviously, Um, probably a really Unique experience compared to any other record You have ever made, because you were just sort of cutting your teeth Oh, that's really loud uh, Figuring out what you wanted to do I want to talk right now about the early days Origins, um Obviously, we're from the Bay Area, there's a lot of heavy music going on. I kind of want to get to, like, the roots of We Care A Lot, how you guys sort of came to be and that sound that you created initially. Like, um, give me, like, I guess in your best words, like, try to just tell me, like, about like, what those days were, like, putting that record out, writing it, and, you know, the whole experience.
5: Yeah, it was a super weird time. I mean, it was a great time. Any band's first record, there's so much going into it. Like, any band that's writing songs and creating a first record, like, you spend more time and, like, thought and development on that first record than any other record you'll make, it feels like. Right. Like, your first sort of initial, like foray into the world is a really big deal and it was that way for us and sort of a lot went into it like Billy and I had moved to San Francisco from Los Angeles okay so you were from Los Angeles yeah Billy and I were and we kind of grew up together we knew each other since we were like nine years old we're good friends we moved to San Francisco at the same time and um, started the band up there and we had sort of a specific perspective and then we met Mike the drummer in San Francisco, and he kind of had another specific
4: sort of perspective.
5: He was into, like,
4: more, like, kind of metal stuff. Right. Mike and Jim, uh, you know, for very hardcore faith the more fans, I think we're aware that Mike and Jim were coming more from that sort of metal. They grew up with the guys in Metallica, of course. Totally. Coming more from that extreme side. Yeah,
5: totally. Yeah. Mike, though, was kind of different. The drummer, Mike Gordon, was kind of different. He grew up, like, on Sabbath. He was, like, a Sabbath kid and grew up with, like, hard rock stuff, and that was his, like, sort of Hesher environment, like his, you know, like, like all his friends were like that kind of like metal kids yeah. but then he sort of broke the mold and like he was really into like punk rock and stuff like he saw the sex pistols when the sex pistols played their last show in the bay area so he was sort of like you know Certainly a little more open-minded than your average, you know, bear or whatever. And uh, How weird
4: that he ended up in Black Sabbath for a little bit. I know. So (laughs) weird, Yeah, I always wondered that. Like, I wonder what those guys think about that. Yeah, crazy. Like, that was his
5: number one everything, like Ozzy Osbourne. And to be in that camp for as long as he did, it is crazy. But he, anyway, by the time we caught up with Mike, he was sort of, like, into, like, you know, music that we were all into. Like, Billy and I were into, like, Killing Joke and, like but kind of across the board we had a lot of weird tastes we were listening to weird stuff at the time like that band Last Poets just like a radical like 70s like, I've sort heard of about like, them
4: a Killing Joke makes so much sense and I actually had no idea if they were even an influence on you guys until, oh yeah. until now heck yeah
5: um, we all wanted to be Killing Joke that was our thing interesting but then at the same time there was weird like hippie stuff that we were listening to and a lot of weird like dub stuff and like Last Poets was like a weird radical like uh, African American political band I'll check that was, Oh, yeah. really really cool like more spoken wordy stuff but like step up, we were kind of really into that and we were like i mean kind of weird kids at the time we were like you know 19 20 years old and we were in like dashikis and we had moved to san francisco and we were really <laughs>
4: that's kind of spir- like a bay area vibe in a way still to this day kind of yeah. but
5: at the time and the people that we were dealing with we were like really messing with people See, because it's, it's, we were yeah. with punk rockers you know and we were like you know we were pretending to be like the old guard like you know like hippie sort of kids when right. we weren't at all. But it was a really specific, unique time in San Francisco where that sort of stuff was going on.
4: It's kind of interesting, though, hearing that. You I mean, brought up Killing Joke, and like we kind of jumped to one of my next questions, which is that uh, Jim and Mike... And again, you know, this is—we're talking about the first record, of course. You know, like uh, you guys are basically developing this sound from—you know—you're just starting out. Uh, Jim and uh, um, and Mike, of course, coming from more of a metal side. And in hindsight now, listening back, you know, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this a billion times, you hear like this new wave influence, um, even in Chuck's vocals, which I want right. to talk about uh, how he came into the fold. But uh, so it's almost like uh, it sounds like to me that was more of a coincidence, as opposed to like as opposed to you guys going into it saying like, oh well we were like new wave kids and we wanted to blend metal with new wave. You were kinda of coming more from like that uh you were saying like a hippie vibe or the killing joke sort of side right. of things. Well, it was a really weird mix. Like we were doing anything we could do to push buttons. So right. when
5: we felt like people were opposed to like the hippie vibe, we did the hippie vibe. Got it. And we were hanging out with a lot of like politically correct, like really angry kids, which we were too. Like but the we punk were rock, always, guys. yeah. We were yeah. always pushing buttons. So at that point, when we were like, in that sort of mix, we started really putting like a lot of like pop music sensibility into what we were doing, just to okay. mess with people.
4: So it's like a rebellious. Yeah, sort
5: we of, would though. always yeah. just screw with people. Like That's we funny. would like our early early days. We. It Unheard of, like we had MTV when MTV was just getting started, and people were like, All our people that we were hanging out with, like the punk rock kids, were like, No way, we're very anti corporation, you know, like not into like that sort of sound at all. But we, like, you know, of course, we covered Jump by Van Halen, like in one of our you know, early shows. (laughs) That's the kind of kids that we were, we were just like constantly messing with
4: people. It's actually, so it's interesting you brought that up too because of course, like, a a lot of people remember Faith and More being huge when you guys came out with Epic and did that whole thing. You guys were on MTV way before that. There were interviews online with Chuck that you could find. So that actually seems like it happened pretty quickly for you guys. Um, I don't want to jump around too much before, I mean, I'm trying to keep a little bit of order here but so, uh, to get we'll get to that in a second but, um, At the time, and I apologize ahead of time, this is an uncomfortable um, subject, but you, legend would have it that Courtney Love was singing for you guys at the time, and then you moved over to Chuck Mosley. Can you briefly uh, just explain where Chuck came from and how that transition happened? Yeah, yeah. We were, like at the same time, like every, like I was
5: saying before, every opportunity to mess with convention, we did. So when we started the band, we actually were using like different singers for every show. Really? We just thought that was like a cool thing and a weird variety thing. We just had this sound that we did, and we just switched singers all the time. So we went through like probably six different singers, then Courtney kind of came into the mix and we were really tight with her, and she sang for probably like, I don't know, close to six months, I'm gonna say, she was our singer, like a while. but it didn't work out for whatever reason you know we right. sort of like parted ways and Billy knew Chuck from a band that he was in with Chuck in high school called The Animated Okay. and uh, again it was such a super unconventional choice for a singer like Chuck does not have like your typical sort of he like beautiful voice he's a shouter but a crooner too but super sincere and there's something unique and special for sure about what he does Yeah. and so sort of, we just sort of grabbed onto that and he lived in Los Angeles and we Basically forced him to move to San Francisco, and we started doing regular shows.
4: So with the uh, with the album, we care a lot. we we're. we're was, but did Courtney ever, like, sing on those songs before that, or was that just a totally different thing? I just That's the last question I have about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. She, for sure, she sang on a lot of those songs that are on uh, We Care A Lot. But she love, wrote different... Like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's footage. Mike Borden is a real, like, collector guy. And I know he has footage of, like... I know we did, like, this weird, like, um, public access TV show with Courtney at one point. Wow. And it's a really beautiful show. And that was, like, us in all our glory. We, like, I think we wore dresses or the sheepies, like, all of us. <laughs> And Courtney went to like the flower mart before we played yeah. early in the morning and got like sacks and sacks of like flowers. So wow. we covered like the stage with flowers and candles. Which and is interesting because you do that now. Like, yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, ever yeah. think about that until yeah. right now. But yeah, that's exactly like that is really we totally went back to it. That's right you know, I'm a real fan. Um yeah, yeah.
4: so um, so going back to the, the M T V thing, you guys. I, like, did you guys, what were your goals at the time when you were making We Care A Lot? Because you did end up get like, that was a single of course, and right. it did get Airplay. Right. Um, you know, obviously not to the extent of what would happen later on in your career, but um, you're like, how How did you go from having this, like, small budget, putting out We Care A Lot on a small local label, um, you know, it's not like this hasn't happened a billion times, but for you personally, like, like how did that transition even happen from that point, you know, where you end up Getting interviewed on MTV and you're getting right. a radio played.
5: It's a funny thing. I mean, like I was saying before, we did have a sensibility of like pop music and MTV, and we liked those sort of bands as much as we liked like The Last Poets or killing joke we were really into like Cyndi Lauper and Madonna at the time was coming out and like crazy weird like Run DMC we liked really commercial stuff too yeah. and we were really proud about that I think like that's kind of why we wrote We Care A Lot and we had a, a, a sort of a slogan in song it was just like that was sort of in our blood it very sort political of the, in a way yeah, yeah political yeah. too but it was like very catchy and it sort of like it was a pop song yeah And we were into exploring that. And that, for whatever reasons, you know, opened doors in a lot of ways. Like the record is called We Care A Lot. And that's the first song that got us attention. And that's really clever, funny, you know, message. And it sort of uh, opened the doors in huge ways. It got us on MTV. It got us a record deal. It got people paying attention to us. We came to New York and we played, like, The World, which was, like, this big old discotheque, which was crazy. <laughs> I had an older
4: sibling that went there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Younger, yeah.
5: Which was crazy. We were on a punk rock tour playing, like, clubs and getting $100 a night, and then we got a show... At the world, and we got paid like seven hundred and fifty dollars. But that was all based on I feel like we care a lot. So that song and that sensibility that we sort of like toyed with back then opened a lot of
4: doors for us. Would you say that like it was a goal of yours? Because a lot of rock bands, especially for coming from like the punk rock world, like. Uh, you know, accidentally end up where they ended up. Like, right. is it fair to say that, like, uh, being that you guys actually were into pop music and you were saying appreciating things like Run DMC and what was going on on TV at the time, was it like a goal? Would you say at at, at, at that point, like, that you wanted Faith No more to be? Like, wait, let's let's fucking make this happen. We want to be a huge band and fucking take it somewhere.
5: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was sort of a pompous attitude that we had, and we would talk about it in yeah. those terms. But honestly, in my head and from where I was coming from, and I think for where most of us were coming from, we sort of like, it almost was like this crazy conceptual sort of idea. Like, it's so ridiculous. The music that we played, to me, and I think for most of us, was not something that would, like, work in that... Context, you know, it doesn't seem like, like radio. you wouldn't think music. that this is
4: normal that this would work. No, yeah. it
5: didn't seem, and it always surprised me that it took off. But I think like <laughs> it was more like it was like a, an arty concept more than anything. Like the sort of just like crazy thing. Like yeah, we're gonna be on the radio. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. be superstars. We're not superstars, but we're gonna be like a successful like rock band. It just felt. Ridiculous enough to sort of like yeah. keep us laughing and stuff. It never yeah. felt like a serious like goal or like. Because you're
4: also with your friends from you're, you know you're nine. You're you're yeah. with your friend playing in a band. It's not like um, you know even at that time in the '80s like uh, there were manufactured bands that would end up on MTV and stuff like that. Right. So when you do something so organic like that with your friends, I guess you could have those goals, but it would be really bizarre. Like like oh this actually is working out this way right now. Yeah, that it would be yeah. successful. Yeah
5: just seemed ridiculous but
4: yeah so um, sticking with the uh, you know again uh, we're, 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 we're celebrating this record you know sticking with that topic um, we care a lot the actual song it actually had like a, a kind of almost like a hip hop vibe which sure. you would You know, this is something that people have said about your band for decades at this point, about how you guys helped sort of um, launch new Metal, whether you liked it or not or whatever. And um, and so that's what I wanted to ask is, um, you know, you mentioned Run DMC while we were talking before. And, um, you know, a lot of really successful bands end up innovating genres that they may not expect to or like. How does it feel to you? When people call you guys like Godfathers of New Metal, and right, you hear right. those sort of Lincoln Parks and Corn, right. and, and realize that like yeah. that that was a total fucking product of like when you were a kid and wrote We Care a Lot, like because it really was like yeah, that yeah. particular yeah. song uh, yeah. way before Epic, I would say yeah, yeah. Um, was probably even like before like Public Enemy or Anthrax and I think uh, whether you like it or not are deserving of that sort of title but like how strange what do you think about or how do you feel being told that you know over the years that you guys launched that sort of genre or whatever when you hear
5: that, you know, yeah. is it weird? I mean hearing you talk about it, it sort of dawns on me that like I mean it was just a matter of time. I think the four rock kids sort of like incorporated like a dance beat into what they were doing. I think we were just like super keen on like like that. Like run D M C we were crazy about Soul Sonic Force yeah that sort of sound was happening for the first part for the first time and it was sort of just uh, it seemed like we just happened to be there at the time and did it first.
4: Right. Um, not even on purpose just sort
5: no, of No, like, just sort of like yeah. what we did. Uh, it's yeah, its a little crazy to think like those other bands that we cite are, are like I don't even know what they sound like but I'm pretty sure like <laughs> it's not something that I really really. like. No, it's to. weird.
4: Yeah. I mean like, I'm sure Johnny Lydon doesn't listen to Blink-182 you know what I mean? For sure. Right yeah. Now, right?
5: yeah. Like <laughs> we toured with that band Limp Bizkit.
4: I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know about that. (laughs) They opened
5: up for us on one tour, and it was uh, kind of brutal. Right. Because that came up, stuff like that came up, and it was almost like, look what you did.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my question that I wrote out, I was gonna say like, it's like. You know, Nirvana and Soundgarden had, like probably had no clue that Nickelback or Creed would exist one day.
2: Right, right, you know right.
4: what I mean? But uh, I think it's really interesting um, that, you know, specific to this album, I was thinking about my questions. I was thinking about that one song. And I'm just like, you know what? I never fucking thought about that. Like, this song actually had a little bit of a hip hop vibe to it uh, oh, before sure. the real thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's really interesting. So I have to sort of uh, bring this up. Like, what is the current status now? Of what's going on I mean you put out Sol Invictus Which was Really like Scary I think for, for me I was like Do I want to hit play Like is it going to be awesome All And right, it was right, fucking right. awesome cool um, So you know I'd like to Awesome enough that we had Faith No More On the front cover of our magazine By the way Pick it up Go to revolvermag.com And pick up that issue um, So um, what is, What's going on With you guys right now We
5: sort of uh, You know we put out The record And we just toured a lot Damn. And then just sort of Stopped We're really conscientious, I think, of, like, sort of, you know, overdoing it and sort of overplaying what we have. And I just feel like, um, or we feel like, you know, we played all the sort of places we wanted to play did what we wanted to do, and then we just thought it best to sort of like bow out gracefully and just sort of like stop, at least with this chapter.
4: Yeah.
5: Um, That said, we had a great time together, and it was a total crazy weird healing process for all of us, you know, sort of coming back together and being friends again, writing music again, and feeling good about what we do together. So it's definitely not a closed door, but it's sort of, uh, this chapter is definitely closed.
4: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, you know, to your point too, like, um, in terms of the healing process, Coming together as adults too yeah, uh, later in life and people, uh, you know, uh, obviously this is an interview for media, but like people in media glorify a lot of these things. But uh, as human beings, that has to be sort of uh, like a, a strange thing, where you're just like, oh well, like you know, I'm like this age now, and you're this age now, and you're doing this, and you know, like can we even get together again, and what it's what's it going to be like? Uh, and then there's the whole musical aspect of it, but um, yeah, a I lot think, of different yeah. Like, yeah, levels of like.
5: Maturing, you know. Yeah, yeah.
4: But and it's a lot of time.
5: Like the time that passed between when we broke up and when we got back together was, I don't know, close to 15 years.
4: That's crazy. It's
5: crazy to think what
4: happens in a persons' life so, Yeah, you were doing that a real team. Yeah. Um,
5: you
4: know, and of course Mike was in like 85 billion bands Right. Right. Yeah. Um, gonna wrap it up in a second, but um the um, the, the record was also uh, self-produced and this, this release of Weird Care A Lot is also coming out on Billy's label. Yeah. Um, so that must have been really awesome just to be able to finally take something into your own hands which a lot of people don't uh, get the chance to do. Um, so in other words, like you know, to talk about the current status of Faith No More, it's almost like um, you must just sort of feel like well, we have freedom. Um, we just did this if we feel like doing it again, we can. You're not obligated to anybody. That must be awesome. And I, I personally I'm sure a lot of people out there hope that we do get at least a chance to see it play live again, right? Right. You know. Yeah. Um. So you right. know, uh, I I want to uh, thank you so much for uh, sure. You know,
5: thank you. Yeah. For thanks for having me. me.
1: Zena here, your host of the Revolver Magazine podcast, the world's loudest podcast, in case you didn't know. You want to communicate with us? Definitely hit us up on social media, at Revolver Mag across every single social media platform and there are many of them as well as revolvermag.com where you can get the latest news, updates, and all the goddamn festivals that are coming up. We got Aftershock in just a month. We also got NotFest meets OzFest, which I'm so excited to go to in California. If you're going to be out there definitely make sure to hit us up and stay tuned because we got some big things coming up check out revolvermag.com for all the latest including all the bands that you've heard in this lovely podcast dillinger the sword we got faith no more a real throwback throwing it back to we care a lot that's what's up i'm gonna be out of here till next time my metal friend